0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Uh, Turning your Bibles to Zephaniah chapter number one. When you find that it asks that you'll stand on the respect. Uh, the reading of god's word tonight and i uh if you don't know where zephaniah is maybe ask your neighbor or three of you together can figure out where it's at because it's not normally a portion of scripture that uh we normally turn to and i'm guessing the majority of us have not heard very many messages out of zephaniah as, as what i had imagined and uh and i do give you know Uh, Brother Chad I do give you some credit for this because he got me started in reading uh, or I read through changed in his image so he kind of helped spur me to do that and one thing that it's done for me in my life and if you've never read the book I again I've been plugging it for people now also is uh, uh, it's helped me in the idea about really meditating and reading the Bible and really getting something out of it. I mean, I'm all in favor of you reading through your Bible, and if you read four chapters a day, and you're four and no more every day, that, that's wonderful. But what happens if God just says, I want you to slow down for a moment, and, uh, and you said, well, we only got to nine verses or something in your Bible reading? That'd be all right if that's how God spoke to you, if you only read nine verses. That's good Bible reading if that's as far as God took you. And that's really what that book did for me, because, and that's how This portion of scripture came to me as I was meditating on, I read it, and before I, now my practice is, just to tell you what I do, before I go and do my, I usually read my Bible, then I pray. But the first five to ten minutes of my, before I ever start praying, is I just meditate on what I had just read. And uh, if you do that, you'd be surprised what will happen in your Bible reading every single day of your life. Now I want you to look at uh, Zephaniah chapter number one. In uh, verse number one there, <clears throat> and it said, The word of the Lord which came unto Zephaniah, the son of Cushai, the son of Gadaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezkiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. So Josiah, uh, his father is Ammon. Ammon reigned two years. He was evil and he was killed by his servants. But you know who Ammon's father was? Manasseh, and uh, we're going to look at that. If you don't know who Manasseh is, he was was a low-down, dirty rascal, to put it mildly, all right? God didn't say very nice things about him at all, all right? And in verse number two, it says, I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off man from the land, saith the Lord. I will also stretch out my hand upon Judah. And upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place and the name of the Chimerims with the priests. And them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops, and them that worship, and that swear by the Lord, and that swear by, by Malcolm. So in other words, try to worship two gods at the same time. I think that, that doesn't work very well. <clears throat> and then in verse six, and then that are turned back from the Lord, and those that have not sought the Lord nor inquired for him, hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at is at hand, for the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice, he hath bid his guest. And it shall come to pass in, in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children. And all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Now, in verse 9, in the same day also will I punish all those that leap on the threshold, which fill their masters' houses with violence and deceit. But notice this phrase in verse number 9, where God says, In that same day also will I punish all those that leap on the threshold. All right. tonight's message is called Threshold Jumpers and hopefully we will understand what that means and how the difference it will make in our lives. Let's ask God to bless in the reading of his word and when I'm done praying, then you can be seated tonight. God, I just thank you for the chance to open up the word of God tonight and Lord, this is maybe a little bit different style of message that I normally preach, but God, I believe it. There's a message here that we should hear tonight and one that you spoke to my heart about And God, I would pray that you'll speak to everyone that's in this room and everyone that may be listening. God, I just pray, if there's areas in our life that need correction, God, please give us a humble spirit tonight. May your Holy Spirit have free course and free work. And God, I'm just praying for your help tonight, and I pray in Christ's name, amen. You can go ahead and be be seated here. So I know some of the men, you recognize some of this, but we're going to add a whole lot more. More to it, and um, and uh, so looking at this this text, and I was thinking about um, I've watched uh, I watch a lot of westerns, and I like to watch the the old uh, the old westerns. Uh, Mark Ledoux, I don't see him tonight, and uh, I mean I know that he likes to watch a lot of those old westerns and those type of things. And there's a kind of character that's in a lot of these old westerns, and they're called claim jumpers. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a of a claim jumper uh, before and usually uh, you, as those westerns go a claim jumper you know that one guy finds out this other guy has just struck the mother load of all silver or gold or whatever and uh, they, they're out in the sticks and all that kind of stuff so what's he do he goes and he uh, he politely shoots the other man usually and and then uh, then goes into town and files a claim and then he gets this valuable piece of property uh, in, re, in return. So I understand, you know, and probably many of us understand what it means to be a, a claim jumper if you're a claim jumper. But when I was reading this portion of scripture, I thought, oh, I know what a claim jumper is. But what in the world is God talking about Uh, about being a threshold jumper. I mean, I I don't really get the idea about what a threshold jumper is. And I'm willing to guess the vast majority of you in this room, if you've read this portion of Scripture, have either read and jumped over that phrase and never really even given much thought to it, or probably probably just, you know, okay, it's a threshold jumper, and you really, it's just casual, you just kind of read over that type of thing. But when I was doing my Bible reading, and I was I was reading through all of this, and I just caught my attention. I was like, "What in the world is God so fired up about?" while threshold jumping. I mean, I mean, I, when I looked at that, I, was, I wanted to know exactly what was entailed here, because clearly, whatever is involved in this threshold jumping is clearly in, is is affecting. The people's relationship with God. It is affecting what God wanted to do for them in their lives. It It was becoming a roadblock. It was becoming a hindrance to them in such a way that God had to send a special man, had to send a prophet to them to call them out upon this certain thing. And what God is showing us through this prophet Zephaniah, and what we are going to, to look at tonight and what we want to understand, is this is, whatever this threshold jumping is is clearly something much more valuable than whether you lose a claim like a gold claim or a silver claim. When we're looking at threshold jumping, we are dealing then with our own relationship with God, our own relationship. You can have a lot of valuable things in this world, and maybe you have valuable things locked up at home, maybe you have valuable things uh, in, a, in a safety deposit box, but I can tell you this, if we took all the things that you deemed to be, be valuable in your life, none of them together would any, be anywhere close to how valuable it is, our relationship with God that we enjoy on, an, on a daily basis. None of them would be anywhere close to that. So it's very important then for us to understand then what this threshold jumping is because it's something clearly then that is going to affect your relationship and whether your relationship, the one with a true and living God, whether it's truly as valuable and as meaningful as it should be in your life. And so tonight we're going to then understand then this idea about threshold jumpers in a problem and hopefully make application to it in our own lives so as I was talking to pastor I thought well you know what would be really neat is if I could but I didn't really have the ability to do like go and buy a pre-hung door from Menards and put a pre-hung door up here with a threshold and all that I, I still think that would have been pretty cool and to have a door up here I could jump jump in and out I thought well that's not practical and I thought, well, I could probably go over here and jump through these doors, but that probably wouldn't work as well. So then I decided, and uh, the Lord kind of gave me the idea, so we're going to make our own thresholds tonight. So I'm going to have Brother Jacob and uh, Brother Samuel, you can help me here for a moment. So we're going to make our own thresholds tonight. And we'll hopefully, we'll make some good applications to it. All right. So you're going to take one and you're going to put a threshold across that aisle there. You'll put a threshold across this aisle here. And we'll put a threshold this way. All right. All right. So this, again, as I said, that's good, guys. I have that accomplished here. So, again, when I say I'm out of my comfort zone, I normally don't do object lessons or things like that tonight. And uh, after tonight, you may say, well, you should probably not do that again. And uh, you may be exactly right when I'm done doing this tonight. But I, hopefully, by God's grace, we'll be able to to use these tonight in an effective way for the truth of what is going on in this portion of Scripture. Now, when we're we're talking about thresholds, probably most of us know what they are and probably don't even give much thought to it. It's that little strip of wood or metal that's usually in In a doorway, you pass through thresholds all the time. You pass through thresholds uh, coming into the church building tonight. And probably most of us really don't uh, give much of a a thought about it. And typically, when you hear about a threshold in the Bible, you're dealing with a doorway. And usually it's something, when you hear a threshold, you're thinking of a doorway. Doorways typically are something good in the scriptures. I think of in, in the book of Revelation where uh, Christ was writing to the church in Philadelphia there. And he said, I've set before you an open door. In other words, a threshold for you to cross, an opportunity for you to live out your faith and to, to share your faith. And usually those open doors uh, and thresholds are usually something good. As If you look up on Google and as a studying. That Usually a threshold, it usually has the idea that you're about ready to discover something good and something great. Like a scientist might be on a threshold of a brand new discovery. Like he's just discovered that uh, an answer to COVID so we don't have to worry about it anymore. Something like that. Something on a, on a threshold type, uh, type level like that. And, but the fact also that we're looking at in this portion of Scripture that a threshold, many times you look at something good, but it almost seems like it's something that's overrated in this portion of Scripture. I understand what, I, what I'm what i saying by overrated is this. As you look at the anger that is developed by God in, in, in this portion of Scripture, and I just want you to know, yes, God is a loving God, but he does get angry, all right? He He does do some of those things like, don't make me come down there type thing. You read the Tower of Babel, he will come down there. And he's definitely, he's definitely upset. You get that, uh, that idea from this portion of scripture. And you see and you think about really what's transpiring and what is taking place. And it makes you want to uh, think in your mind, really, is this really a problem? Because what's going on and what we've read here tonight, if you look at verse number 4... It says, I will stretch out my hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cast off the remnant of Baal from the place in the name of the Chimerims with the priests. So you, want, so you know what's going on? The idea is the priests are dealing with those that are at the temple. The Chimerims were prophets or they were priests of the worship of Baal. And so you have these priests that are double dipping. That okay, we'll preach a church sermon on Sunday morning, and then Sunday night we'll go down to Baal and we'll go ahead and have Baal revival services. And they were mixing those type of things in there. And it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just the priest, but there were those that were going along with it. There are other people that were saying, Well, I can worship God in one hand, and I can be idolatrous in the other hand. And the, the scriptures let us know. They weren't hiding it any longer. They weren't just like, oh, we've got some hidden little statues in our back bedroom somewhere. We'll close the closet door when the neighbors come over. It wasn't like that anymore. I mean, they just had it out in the lawn. They would have it out in the street. They would just go even into the temple courts themselves at this time. That they would set up altars and worship false gods even in the temple that was dedicated to the true and living God. They, They were just out of control. There was idolatry that was galore. And you know what also went with idolatry, the immoral practices that satisfied the God that these false gods that they were worshiping. Because these these gods weren't just happy with you putting a little money in the offering plate; they liked it when you engaged in gross immorality, uh, gross sexual immorality with other people. Even to the point that what Zephaniah is talking about here is they were they were uh, in the worship of a God that believed in child sacrifice. So much so that it is easy for us to understand, and I want you to get the picture of the climate that they're dealing with here, is that this is two years removed from the king Manasseh. And Manasseh went down as the worst king ever. He went down as the worst worst one ever. He did things and led people in direction that has never been seen before. That's the, uh, we don't have time to read through it, but if you read through it, it, it's a sad testimony of what this man had done. The Bible says that he had filled Jerusalem from innocent blood. He has shed innocent blood galore to the where God says he just filled the whole thing. He even sacrificed his own son, his own child. Could you imagine taking your own child and just killing it for a false God? And he did that thinking that that God would help him out. And he was horribly bad. And people went along with all of this. And so you're thinking all those things. Man, that's bad, don't you think? Killing children, sacrificing to false gods, practicing immorality. I mean, just living an outright defiance of God. And then we throw threshold jumping in all of that. Now, there just seems to be something really wrong about this whole thing. Because I'm like, God, do do you really know what you're talking about? I mean... Just jokingly. But you know, when I'm reading my Bible, I'm thinking to myself, you know, God, this really makes about zero sense to me. Okay, you know, if you kill your children, yeah, go ahead. And I want, you can go ahead and judge them and sacrifice your people for that one. You know, if they're going to directly disobey these great commandments of yours and violate the Ten Commandments, I mean, they were basically violated all the Ten Commandments all at once. And I was like, well, go ahead and do that. But then you're gonna throw threshold jumping in there? I mean, I mean, really? You just think about that. All threshold jumping is is there's a piece of wood or a stone they set in front of a doorway, and they're just doing this all the time, jumping over thresholds, going into houses. Now, how how's, how does that look pretty dangerous tonight? I mean, I mean, maybe they were more into it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was one of these things. They're like, I'm gonna step over that thing. I mean, does that, 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 that looks pretty bad, doesn't it? I mean, that looks like, man, God should just like burn me with fire right now, that type of thing. Is, I mean, that looks really, you want to do that in slow motion? And see, I mean, this is ridiculous. Why are we so mad about this thing? I mean, couldn't we find something better to be mad at, God? But there was a reason. See, as I begin to look it up, <clears throat> and look up in what the meaning could be, See the doorway. Oftentimes, even when we use it positively in the scriptures, we usually uh, attach spiritual significance to it, do, do we not? When we start using a, a doorway, missionary comes. There's been a door opened unto me to whatever country we're thinking, spiritual opportunity. And there was, and there's spiritual significance <clears throat> for many cultures that were tied to the threshold. Like some, threat, some cultures would bury either like a religious relic or a stone in the doorway of the house there. Because the idea was that their false God would then live like underneath their doorway. And then so you had all these evil spirits out there. And if your false God was living below your doorway, well, it was a wonderful place to keep your God below your doorway, then you're going to be all right. Because he's going to go ahead and he's going to keep you safe. They say that in some uh, countries, the, uh, the Muslims, that uh, when they're in a doorway, that the left side was viewed as evil and the right side was viewed as good. So they've attached spiritual significance to how you came in the door. If you came, I was reading, you came in the door, you'd want to step right foot first instead of left foot because you want to make sure you're on right footing. Literally, really is what they're going to look Making sure you start off on the right step. And if two guys are trying to go in the door at the same time, you let the one guy on the right go first. And then you follow that guy and you both make sure you take, take a right step first. Because they viewed it as something spiritually could, bad could, could happen to you. But then also, a great story also in the Bible that leads further credence to the significance of the spiritual significance that people put on thresholds. <clears throat> comes back to a little story about two wicked brothers named Hoph- Hothni and Phinehas. I don't know if you know who Hothni and Phinehas were. But these two boys were as evil as the days were long. And the f- problem was is that they were priests. They were down at the tabernacle... And old dad didn't reel his boys in. There's a good lesson right there. His dad probably should have taken them out behind the woodshed. And if that wouldn't have been good enough, he should have replaced his sons. Should have kicked them out of the ministry is what he should have did. But he didn't. He coddled them and let them go. And they were evil. They did things that were just bad. But the long story short is the Philistines, they came up to battle one day. And they thought, well. Though we've been living out of favor with God, we'll just take the Ark of the Covenant down there. We got our lucky rabbit's foot, and we'll just go ahead and wipe those Philistines off the map. Well, this story went, it didn't happen that way. The Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant there, and it's a wonderful story. I think it's funny. They put it in their, their house to Dagon. And uh, the next day, Dagon has fallen over. I don't, you guys don't think this stuff is funny I mean, their God, who, who's fallen over, then they got to pick up their own God and set him back up. It's a sad story when you got to pick up your own God and he's falling on his face, all right? You need a new God if you got to pick up your God, all right? They pick him up, and they set him up the next day, like, I don't know how that happened, but well, all right. Anyways, so we'll get back onto our lies. The next day, it was worse than the day before. Dagon was fallen, but this time his head was chopped off, and both of his hands. But you know where his hands and his head ended up at? On the threshold of the temple. In other words, what God had sent to him a message, there was a God who was stronger than Dagon, who had spoiled your God. And it scared the willies out of them. So much so that the Bible says that to that day they would, leap over the threshold they would jump over the threshold they said I don't know what happened here but I'm gonna tell you this we're not gonna have a part of that whatever it whatever happened here is bad so there's a spiritual significance that is that is tied then to these thresholds and really what was it boiling down to is this this belief then it eventually culminated into something that there was evil spirits outside your house and you didn't want to bring them into the house. Now, I have no idea how jumping over your doorway stopped the evil spirits from going into your house because if I could do that, then maybe my kids wouldn't come inside days. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but I'm just, I don't, I don't know, but jump, I, I don't jump know how that works. But that's how they... That's how they were doing this. They were jumping over the threshold because they were afraid that evil spirits would come in there. See, we have a practice that's kind of tradition, maybe a little outdated, but it falls in the same area and maybe helps us to understand. How many of you have ever heard of the saying that carry your bride over the threshold of the door before? Carry your bride over the threshold of the door? You know you what know, that's the idea and the background for that is? There was evil spirits around your house and if your wife would accidentally touch one of those evil spirits, I don't know, if it clung to her and so you would pick her up, carry her over the threshold so you wouldn't bring any evil spirits into the house. So what we have going on here, if one, want to just put it all together and summarize it as this, is that they were celebrating a silly, meaningless, vain superstition. That's what they were doing. You know, we all have these different superstitions. We got football season coming up here. And some people are like, these are my lucky socks. I'm going to wear them. Oh, I'm never going to change them again. And I'm just like, maybe that's the reason why your team never wins either. I mean, I don't know. But, I mean, it's just like, good night. We do these silly superstitions, do we not? I know as kids, you're like, don't step on a crack, you'll break your... Mother's back, right? Then we, uh, some people ascribe some silly superstitions like to the number 13, or don't open an umbrella inside the house, don't walk under a ladder. But this is what was going on, and I want you to get this in your mind. They were celebrating these silly superstitions. And I I, I just, my mind just goes to imagination mode when I start thinking about this. They're in this silly superstition, and I can about imagine being teleported back to Jerusalem there. And you have all these thousands of people there. And I go into a neighborhood, and all I can see going down the street is people doing this. Just jumping up and down the, jumping in and out of their houses. Like you go down the street, you know, and like if you're just from some foreign country, you'd be like, what in the world are these people's problems? This is ridiculous. You just go down the street and people are just jumping and jumping and jumping. I I mean, I know how many times I go in and out of my own house or other doors during a day. I don't know how much jumping that they got in. I don't know if it's good for cardio or what. But they got a lot of jumping and I'm sure during the day. And the more they jumped, you know how more ridiculous that had to look? It was all superstition. And so... In understanding what was going on, then the problem itself manifests itself very clearly. The problem was is this: that they wasn't over them being so much superstitious, is they were being meticulous. The word "meticulous" means this, marked by extreme or excessive care in the consideration or treatment of details. Now listen marked by extreme or excessive care and consideration. In other words, the people were focused on the minor and ignoring the major. They were giving their attention to things that were meaningless in the eyes of God and overlooking other areas in their life that were clearly in violation of God and what he was saying. How bad was it? Well, verse number one gives you a clue. It is King Josiah was the king at that time. What a godly king and one of the last rays of light for the the dawning or the the setting sun of the southern kingdom. And one of the things when Josiah, as a young man, he got into office and he said, uh, Man, the temple is a shambles and it is a wreck and he got some godly men about him, some priests about him, and they said, "I want you to go in, and this shape of this temple is unacceptable in the eyes of God, and I want you to clean up this mess." So I mean, they had a church, they had a they had a church cleaning party. I mean, they got to town, and back in some corner covered in dust and cobwebs and everything else, and I could just about imagine some priests. Blowing back there, and the coughing dust is going all over. He's like, Whoa, there's a book back here. That book was the words of God that He had given them when they first came out of Egypt. There, all those words in Exodus, the law, the commandments that God had given to them, and uh they brought it to Josiah, and they're like, You're never gonna believe it. Found that old King James Bible down there that we've been missing for a long time. What's in that thing, anyways? They cracked that baby open and they realized we're in bad shape because we've been violating God's word nonstop. Now, this is the problem. They knew more about superstitions than they knew about God's word. They knew, well, we don't step on, we don't step on cracks, we don't, we don't walk under ladders, we don't have umbrellas up. They knew all those. Dumb things that meant nothing, but when it came to that which was most valuable, that which would have helped them in their relationship with God, that which would have stopped their judgment of God, that which would have brought the blessings of God, that would have brought the provision and the protection and all of that to their lives, that which they should have known of, they were ignorant of, and they had left it alone. They had focused on the wrong thing and left off the big. You see, that's what's going on here. see, they focused on that which is insignificant, something of no real value and ignored clear other areas in their life. Even if they didn't know what God's word said, should have enough idea with the temple down there in town They're to thinking, Baal, Jehovah, not the same. And I better figure out who's who and be on the right side of that thing. And so... This principle then, threshold jumping has the idea then that we focus on areas at the neglect of other areas. That there, There's areas that we want to be meticulous about and other areas that we may even know they're about, but we just go ahead and we just let those go. You see, this was a problem in Jesus' own time. See, Jesus had threshold jumpers in his time. Now, they're called the publicans and the scribes, uh, or the Pharisees and the scribes. And uh, they were bad. Jesus did a whole chapter on them in Matthew, chapter 23, about their hypocrisy. And you know what one of the things he said about them? He said this, oh, you've done very good. You, you tithe little bits of herb. You, you get the cumin out there. You get the anise out there. You, get the, you go out to the herb garden and you're, you're tithing parsley. But he said, but you've omitted the weightier matters. Like righteousness and mercy and justice. You've overlooked the weightier matters. What had happened? Their tithing had become their threshold. They could jump and tithe all the time. But Jesus said, I'm not very impressed. Because your threshold is your tithing, but the fact of the matter is is you've omitted weightier matters that you should have been considering and that you should have been working on. God is not concerned about you tithing mentally. He's worried about how you're treating your neighbor and whether you show mercy and kindness and love to other people. That's what he was saying. There was a time that Jesus was out there and uh, with his disciples, they were on a Sabbath day. Jesus did a whole bunch of things on the Sabbath day that was amazing. And one day they were hungry. And man, they did something really horribly, no good, rotten. They were hungry, and so they decided to grab some grains of corn uh, and wheat, rub them in their hands. And his disciples popped them in his mouth, and they started to eat. And oh my, you would have thought God came down and the world came to an end. Because they said, you can't do that. You're you're threshing or working on the Sabbath day. And God says you should rest on the Sabbath day. You're not resting. You're working. I'm just telling you this. If you're going to get into a squabble, don't do it with the Lord. Because what he said was this is, this fact of the matter is, long story short is, you know what? God said he'd rather have mercy than sacrifice. You know what what happened? Their Sabbath day had become a threshold to them. They were jumping over it the whole time. And you know what the Lord said? <laughs> You're good at being meticulous about keeping the Sabbath day with all your silly traditions. But what about showing mercy to somebody else? Well, were they really unmerciful that same day? I don't know how many minutes transpired between that, but he went down to the uh, synagogue there on that same day. Some man was in there. He had a medical condition. And the Lord's like, watch this. And he healed him, restored this man. And he gave that little illustration. He said, If you have a a sheep that's in the bottom of a pit, it's all right for you to go ahead and take that sheep out of there. But I go ahead and heal a man on the Sabbath day, and you're all bent out of shape. You're ready to hang me from a flagpole. He said, you think there's something out of whack with that? That your threshold, you're just worshiping on uh, this Sabbath, but you're going to go ahead and neglect the wittier matters of mercy? You know, there's another time that Jesus They didn't wash hands like they should have. Must have been been during the days of COVID. Because they didn't wash their hands the way that they should have. And oh man, those same Pharisees and scribes, they were bent out of shape all over again. Well, you guys, you didn't wash your hands. You're unclean. You're going to be cut off from God. God's going to strike you dead, basically, type thinking. And Jesus said these words. It's not on the outside that makes you dirty. It's what you are on the inside. Now, I'm just paraphrasing tonight. But out of the inside comes thefts and covetousness, adulteries, murders, those things. It's not what's in, outside of a man that makes him defiled. It's what's on the inside and what the Lord was saying. Oh, you are very meticulous in keeping the hand washing and making yourself look all good. But you know what? Your hearts are rotten, filthy, disgusting. You should have worked on washing your heart and focusing on that before you started worrying about whether your hands were clean or dirty. Seriously. What, what he's just pointing out, these threshold jumpers. And you may say, well, well good. Those dirty rascals, they deserve it. You read that, He say, well, that has nothing to do with me, huh? except for this fact. In, in the, on the Sermon on the Mount there, when Jesus taught his disciples there, he said this phrase that's really key to all this. He said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of, of the Pharisees and scribes. You are to have a righteousness that exceeds them. Theirs was a self-righteousness, okay? You know what that tells me when I read that? I can have the same righteousness as they can. He said it wasn't that I couldn't have it. He said, you've got to go beyond where they are at. He didn't say I couldn't be where they're at. He just said I had to go beyond where they're at. And see, this is where it starts meeting in our own lives. That we need to look at our own hearts and our own lives, and this is where the application and the rubber starts meeting the road, where we might start meddling in some things tonight, because we have to look at our own lives. Are we just whited sepulchers filled with dead men's bones? Do we have we cleaned the outside of the cup and the inside is full full of filth and disgust and things that we know that aren't right with God, and we just let them go there? See, we have to look at these things in our own lives, what we're focusing on. you know what? Your job could easily become your threshold in your, in your life. You know what? God is in favor of us working. He is. Six days you shall work. Seventh day shall be a day of rest. God wants you to work hard. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the, as to the Lord and not unto men. God wants you to work hard. But you know what? Your job can become your threshold. You're so focused on making sure you are got a job and you're working all these hours, maybe putting in some overtime, or maybe I, I'll just work this, this Wednesday night or this Sunday sometime. And the fact of the matter is you know that it's taking away from your relationship with God. And you're just continually working. Or maybe as a, as a, as a, a husband, you work so much that you want to raise your family for the Lord, but because you are so focused, your threshold is your job, you're so much so at your job, you're not at home to lead and guide your, your children. You're so tired when you get home, you can't even sit down and have family devotions with your kids and open up the Bible and have, and have a talk with them about what's going on in your life and what's going on in your family. That your job as a man can become such a thresh, threshold that your wife can become desperate and lonely. And she turns to other things and other avenues because you're not there to give her the companionship that God designed for you to be with your wife. And you can't understand that when you go home why she's reading these trashy romance novels all the time or why she's off with some other man having a relationship. I'm just telling you, your job can, your job can become a threshold to you. I mean, even teenagers. I mean, I think, man, you should go out and get a job. I mean, pay me rent or something, I don't know. But you know what? This is the most formative time of your year. You don't need to be necessarily working 40, 50 hours a week. Because if we got youth conferences and other events and those things that are coming up here, man, those are the things that you should be involved with in your life at this, at this point. Let like, God take care of your finances. I mean, do you really need that new video game or, or need to go and eat at Chick-fil-A seven times a week like some people, I think, might? <laughs> but you don't need to do that. I mean, but your job can get in, in the way. Well, I can't ever make it to those events. And then you wonder why God's not doing anything in your life. You wonder why you're struggling or you wonder why you're in the mess you're in. Because you decided to put your job before spiritual things in your life. That has become your focus. Here's another one that I was thinking about. For for, especially it's as the what the Bible says, now hear me out. For ladies, it can be a real problem, this idea about beauty and style and in there. It really is. You ever notice most unfortunately, maybe some of this is changing, but most of the makeup ads aren't directed towards men. No, I mean, I know we're all laughing because we're all thinking, well, that's probably going to change. Well, yeah, you're probably right, but at least just work with me for a moment. Most of those makeup ads are for, for ladies, are they not? A lot of these diet things are for ladies. No, I'm just being serious. You're, like, you're, you're going somewhere with this. I am. Because it's a, the world has pushed women's images and what they should be and what they should look like. And and we're, as ladies, just because you're saved and you're in church doesn't mean you're immune to those things. Unless you can destroy every single advertisement that's out there, you're exposed to those things. And they're teaching you this message of what beauty looks like. And pretty soon you get making sure you got the right shade of makeup. And I don't even know the names of all those things. But you know you got the right shade and your eyes look just right. you got the right shade of lipstick and, and all that. And you want to make sure that, okay, I won't, I'm only going to eat three bites for breakfast, one for lunch, and maybe I'll splurge and have a half a slice of toast for supper. But you're so focused on that, it becomes your threshold. And you know what God said? It's not the plating of the hair. It's not the adorning of jewelry. It's not the clothing that you wear that wins a person's heart. It's that spirit that you have. It's the inner man, as it's talking about, that inner beauty. That's what it's talking about. Work on having, having this, this uh, peaceable spirit about you. Work on being sweet and kind and loving and supporting. Well, that's all throwback. It's not throwback. That's exactly what God is trying to get us to change is because we're, as ladies, you can focus. Your threshold can become beauty. It can become vain in in, in the styles and all of those things. And God says, why don't you work on having a spirit like uh, Abraham's wife Sarah did? Is, Is that in the Bible? I think so unless it's something changed at the start of the service you can go ahead and read in second Peter there. it's all right there I, I think about this we pastor mentioned it this morning and this covers all this this is something the Lord's been weighing heavily on my heart and mind and uh entertainment has become a threshold for us. see pastor said something a while back that just I already knew the truth, but how he worded the truth helped a lot in my life. Because many times we like to say, well, I'm just messing around on my phone. I'm just looking something up. But you know what we're doing? And as he said, we are entertaining ourselves. And so this week we decided we're going to do a a media fast in our house. And I would really challenge really anybody in here. You say, I don't think media and TV and phones and those things can become a threshold in my life. Okay, you go ahead and decide tonight you're going to go one week without any of those things. And you'll probably come back and apologize to me because you realize "Mm, this is influencing and controlling my life a lot. Because many times we will sit there and go, well, I just didn't get my devotion time in. Or I didn't have as much time to read my Bible. I didn't have enough time to pray. Or I'm so tired I couldn't get, it, get up and it just, man, I just kind of ground through church on Sunday. But we go and look at your app usage on your phone. And it shows me how long you've been on your phone and when you've been on your phone. And if you're good enough and as a parent you should have an app on your phone, phone that tracks everything your child does so you can say, well this is what you've been doing on your phone. Yeah. You see our entertainment, we just get caught up in all that. Well I'm just trying to I'm just trying to unwind and, and do those. And I'm not a, there's balance in all of this, but what I'm trying to we're trying to get at is entertainment has become such a thing. We've got to be entertained all the time and it becomes our comes our threshold. As a parent, you want to raise your children to love God, to serve Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I certainly hope that's your goal and desire, that you want your child to, to grow up and to love Jesus and have a walking relationship with Him. Man, I, I, I really don't care what profession my children do, but are they plugged into a church and are they supporting a good pastor because pastors need some good people to support them. And if they're that, I'm the happiest man in the whole wide world. But you know what? That should be your desire also as a parent. But when you just allow your children to play whatever video games they want and you allow them to watch what they want or with very little constraint, do you know essentially what you're doing is you're sacrificing your children to a false god. Your threshold has brought you to a place where you're sacrificing your child and it's the god of entertainment. It really is. We've been watching this documentary, and if you get a chance to watch it, 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 it is, now, now it's just drew a blink. Captivated. You need to watch it sometime. Because it even talked about, like, you know, like, like Call of Duty and Halo and all those things. You know what? God's really against a lot of violence. Well, it's just a video game. Right. But is it teaching the values that God would want your child to have? Well, these are legitimate questions. You're like, well, I've got that at home. Are you saying I'm a bad person? I'm not telling you anything other than you bring that before the Lord and you pray about it. And let him tell you whether it's a threshold or not in your life. Do you know another thing that can become a threshold in our life? I mean, we can just go on for a long time here tonight. Do you know what? Even your professions that you make as a believer can become a threshold. Now follow, follow me follow me with this because the Lord had said this to the Pharisees and the scribes. And Isaiah the prophet, he quoted Isaiah the prophet when he said this, so it's it was bad in the Old Testament, it's bad in the New Testament. He said, "With their lips they honor me, but their hearts are far from me." You know what? I'm so thankful for you guys, the teenagers coming back from camp. I made this decision for the Lord Man, I praise the Lord for that. I'm going to read my Bible every day, and I hope you are, and you're carrying through with that. Then I'm going to be praying, and I'm going to do, do the, all those things. But you can begin to think you're okay, and you're focused on your profession, and you have glaring things like, you know that your relationship with your parents isn't where it needs to be. You find yourself combative and argumentative and all those things. Oh, you're doing good reading your Bible and praying, but is the application really there? See, your profession is really good. You'll go around and tell everybody else, well, this is what happened to me at camp this summer, but if I showed up at your house, is your profession become your threshold? And what I see at your house is not what I would normally see. Does it match up? If I found you hanging out at a store or all at a group at Chick-fil-A someday without Brother Samuel being there, how would you guys be at the store, would it match what you said you surrendered to do this summer? Because many times our profession can become our threshold. Many times we can say, man, well, I mean, you ever listen and do, do you ever really consider the words of the songs that we sing some, sometime? Oh man, we sing some really wonderful hymns, do we not? But we sing songs like, I surrender all, and you're really into it. But you know in your heart there's things that aren't surrendered. Your, your profession is is nothing more than a threshold, a threshold that you're jumping over. You, you see, you can say, Well, I'm saved, and I love the Lord, but the Bible says if you love the Lord, then you'll keep his commandments. And there's clearly things that aren't in line with God's word, and your profession becomes a threshold. You see, it can go, it can go. T- to so many different uh, different areas uh, in your life. You see, and we have to be careful where these, uh, where these thresholds are. See, it could be our material we- wealth and our possession, those become our focus. There is a man that Jesus taught about that uh, that became his threshold. And Jesus taught a parable about him. And he's just like, man, I just had a bumper crop. This is going to be great. Can't wait till next year. I'm going, to be big, I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to fill them full. And his material wealth and possessions became his threshold. And Jesus in this parable said, thou fool this night, your soul is required of thee. In other words, you're in big trouble, buster. God's calling you on the carpet for this one. In other words, but Jesus called him a fool. You see... Our material when we have more material wealth and possession here than we are laying up treasures for ourselves in heaven, it's become your threshold. Really it has. That you can say, well, my 401k is doing great. Well, wonderful. I don't know how it is doing so wonderful in this terrible economy right now. Must be Joe did that. But I just tell you this. But do you really have any treasures worth in heaven? I'll take the poorest person in this room materially if he's got treasure in heaven is richer than the man with the fattest checkbook in this room I'm just telling you that your thresholds can be anything that you begin to devote your, your attention and, 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 and efforts to at the neglect of clearly other areas in your life that God, God is, is, is pointing to you see I look at it this way I was I was trying to illustrate this, it kind of reminded me of the story of the movie Monsters Incorporated. I know, watch a lot of children's movies. There's some good, good spiritual things in Monsters Incorporated, all right? You ever see Monsters Incorporated, they got the doors come down, they go through, they jump through, and they, they scare people for a while anyways. But you ever see all those doors? just come swinging through there. And then at the end, they got the big chase scene with Randall and there's just doors everywhere. They're jumping all over. But really that's kind of what's going on in our in our lives. We have all these doors and they all like, they're like thresholds, just waiting to drop in place in our lives. And when you watch that movie, you see at the end they shred one of those doors. And that may be where we're at right now. We've done so much threshold jumping tonight that's time when we try to shred some of these doors. Let's not try to be like Monsters Incorporated, where they they go, they're trying to get every shard back together so they can get that one last one and they can open up Boo's door and they can go back there. God doesn't want you to go back there. God just wants you to shred this thing and quit quit whining and crying over it and like, man, look at what I'm giving up. But look at what you're missing when you don't give it up. Right. See, I look at it this way. I put these thresholds this, this way in purpose tonight because if this could represent your relationship with God and everything that's valuable to you and here's your threshold and you won't get rid of it. You're on this side of it and everything that God wants you to do, do for you. All the... His presence and His power to be made known in your life where He's real. That you, each and every day that you can say, you know what? I know that God's with me. God's directing my life. I, I know I'm being governed by Him. I have a peace that passes all understanding. I know that He's my rock. That no matter what happens, that He's beside my side. I want all that in my life. But when I have thresholds in my life, I'm putting myself on this side of it. And, and then God's over here. And what God is trying to say is, I don't want you over here. I'd rather have you back over here. And this could be yours. But are you just content to be over here? Because I want you to go to verse number 11 in Zephaniah chapter number 1. <laughs> look in verse number 1. Look at the response of the people to the message that God brought to them. How will ye inhabitants of Mektish? for all the... Merchant people are, are come down. Did I, I think I might have wrote down the wrong verse here. Let's stop the verse I want. Uh, verse 12, I'm sorry. And it shall come to pass in that time that I will search out Jerusalem with candles and now listen and punish the men that are settled on their lees that say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. <laughs> Sitting on their lees. You know, I would like to put it in some bad vernacular for today, but basically they wouldn't get off their bottoms to do something about their problems. That's what that means. They were unmoved by the message. God's saying, you're so meticulous, you're focused on these thresholds in your life, and I'm warning you that the day of the Lord is coming, and it's not going to be pretty, and there's going to be a sacrifice, but not the sacrifice of the temple. You're going to be the sacrifice. You're going to be destroyed. I will send people against you, and they will take you out of this land. They were unmoved by that. And I pray tonight that we're not like that. We have thresholds in our life. God has this. God wants to do all this for you. And you sit there unmoved in your pew. And you're just going to sit there. You know what? I'm not moving these boards tonight when we have an altar call. Because I want it to be a memory when you walk forward that it's time to cross over some thresholds. That's why they're here. So when you walk down here, you have to walk over them. So you have to think about the decision that you're making. Whether this is what I'm really... Am I really serious about this? Am I just going to give lip service to this? And and weeks ago, Pastor preached about being hearers of the word and doers only. It may be time tonight that you say, you know what, God, I'm going to quit jumping. I'm looking like a fool right now. And I'm going to get down here. I'm going to I'm going to deal deal with some things. You know what, teenagers, you're going to deal with some things. So you know what, I've allowed certain things in my life, whether it's my phone, allowing things to rob me of my purity. And I'm focusing on other things. I'm at church tonight, but you allow yourself to listen and watch ungodly things. You're overworking yourself as a man tonight, and maybe it's, it's time. Well, I'm going to have to cut back or switch jobs. Would God be all right with that? If it means saving your family. If it means increasing your walk with God, because whatever you lose in salary, there's a God that can give you a pay raise. You know what I'm saying? Ladies. You have thresholds tonight? Been worried because I don't look like so-and-so. And And you're probably not going to look like so-and-so. But that's not who you... You don't want to look like so-and-so. You want to be a so-and-so. You want to be a woman who loves and fears God, has a meek and quiet spirit about them that other people gravitate to. That's what you want tonight. And when you're willing to sacrifice those things, you can have those things... And God will meet you tonight. In the, uh, in the New Testament, it says, and beside this, give all diligence. It may be time to give some diligence to those thresholds in your life and don't become like this. I'm going to close with this illustration. I don't know if you're like this. But you know, sometimes at my house, there's stuff on the floor and I'm just lazy. I, it drives me bonkers. I don't want it there. It may just be a piece of paper and I'll walk around it, and I keep walking around it, and I get more annoyed the more I walk around it until I actually bend over and pick something else, pick it up and take care of it. And it may be God's pointing something else in your life tonight. Don't leave here just walking around the piece of paper on the floor. Get down the the, pick it up and get down to the altar and deal with it tonight. Let's go ahead and stand, and uh, we'll bow our heads. and <coughs> We're going to have a Time of invitation here. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.